Hello, this is Ryan Reiser, your host. This is gonna be a very different podcast series than anything you've experienced on the market. What I'm trying to do is change things up a little bit. Rather than having a special guest and one topic with great conversation that goes away, we're gonna host a series of experts and others who have perspective on different topics over a period of time, gather that in a series of episodes, and roll that out until we've really exhausted a topic. So hopefully you enjoy this podcast, and thanks again for listening in. So really excited for our next guest on this topic. We've got Dakota Ray joining us. Dakota, you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Um, So hey, folks, Dakota Ray here. I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Equation Sales. Um, We're a B2B tech sales and marketing strategy firm. Uh, headquartered out of Toronto, but uh, work with folks across Canada and the U.S. Fantastic. Well, your perspective as someone who focuses on um, strategy and go-to-market for uh, companies across both Canada and the U.S., Canadian, the first Canadian, I think, on the show so far. Yay! uh, I won't uh, say A. I'll try not to say A. Oh, I thought I heard yay. Hey, it was it was yay. Hey, oh, sorry, so, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so Dakota, thanks for joining us today. Uh, um, as we jump right into the topic here, you know, do you, do you believe in this rise of the new revenue intelligence or coaching culture, coaching culture movement we we hear about? Absolutely, uh, and I mean, I think just to kind of provide a bit of framework for me. Um, you know, when I hear coaching culture and revenue intelligence, I do think they are fundamentally two different things. Exciting topics, but but in my mind, two different things, um, for sure. And I think um, there's reason behind why these things are becoming so important. Um, absolutely, I, I totally buy in. So let's let's ch- let's dive into that because you know a, a couple of the guests have jumped right in and said, yeah, this is what it is and how exciting it is, and others are like, I don't even know what the heck that means. And you're saying, wait, wait, hold on a second. These are two different things. So tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah, in my mind. So I think, uh, let me talk about the revenue intelligence piece. I mean, we work with, with tech companies, like as you mentioned, across Canada and the U.S. Everybody, you know, is trying to figure out the secret sauce, so to speak, um, to get more revenue, right? Uh, the good news is there isn't a secret sauce. It doesn't exist or we'd all be multimillionaires. Um, so with, with that being said, I mean, the reason why our company is actually called Equation Sales is we're looking to find our client's effectiveness equation, um, which results to revenue. And, and so when we talk about revenue intelligence, I think that's critical, um, and it's really the core and ethos of our business. And so what we look to do is, is, is find something, again, called effectiveness equation, meaning E equals what you say, right? So your content, what you're saying out there to your prospect, plus how you say it, meaning the methodology of delivery. Is it through cold calling, which we still do in love? Uh, is it through LinkedIn? Is it through email marketing? Is it through social? A combination of all. Divided by the decision maker, right? The target title. And that may vary depending on service or product that you're offering. And then squared, right? Meaning the cadence. So revenue intelligence to me is something that we've been doing for a long time, trying to figure out what the secret sauce is to help your company grow. Um, and so I think companies are, are diving into that because they don't have the time to waste on training new reps and getting them up to speed. They want to have people hit the ground running because it's, it's competitive, right? Particularly in tech. It's competitive. And so people need to earn and they need to earn fast. Um, and so, yeah, I think revenue intelligence is something that we've been doing for a while. In terms of coaching culture, 
um, that's a tough one, <laughs> I think, for everybody because um, the expectation is that, you know, and I played sports. I don't know if you played sports at all, Ryan, but I think, yeah. um, you know, always trying to, the biggest frustration for me playing sports was trying to get people to care as much about winning as me. The hardest challenge is a, is a uh, I think I'm a great salesperson. I don't know if I'm a good sales coach, so to speak, in the sense of mm-hmm. getting people to care as much. Um, I think fundamentally, you know, training is critical, um, but I think it's about the way you deliver training, especially for the generation. Like, I mean, I'm a millennial and you talk about millennials and Gen Zs coming in. I think it's, it's the, the way you train people is going to be critical into their success. They don't want to sit in a classroom. Like nobody cares. Um, so I do think, yeah, the, the, the style in which you train this generation to be successful is going to be key. So there's a lot to unpack here, and I, I, I think we just became best friends, Dakota, um, with, your, with your, your equation, right? So I talk about, um, you know, I talk about something called the math of sales, and I talk about, um, you know, target message channel timing. That's an old mm-hmm. marketing thing, uh, but it, it relates really well to, uh, to what you're saying, right? So it's what you say, how you say it, where you say it, and then it depends on, you know, who you are, the services you're providing, and all those things matter, Right. Um, and so having that understanding of your revenue intelligence, I'd imagine there's some data there that you're using, um, not just of the messaging itself or how you're saying it. Uh, do you, do you, when you talk about the revenue intelligence component of your equation, um, what types of metrics uh, are you putting in there and, and how does that, like, how does that equate to the revenue intelligence side? Uh, I'm really curious to hear how, how all that works, um, with your equation. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're, we're using technology and then we're also obviously pulling in data from our, you know, sales reps, right. On the ground. Uh I mean, the focus of this was because you can't collect that effectiveness equation from, um, you know, your, your CRM today, your CRM Uh doesn't provide you with that data. That's just the reality, but we all need to utilize CRMs. We all use CRMs, right? So Mm -hmm. what we use a few different, you know, dialer systems, we use email marketing tools, we have social tools, and then we're pulling in the data from all of those tools. And then coming up, we actually, you know, provide a manual, like we we create a report to our clients that doesn't exist today in the market, or at least I'm unaware of it. So if you know, let me know (laughs) Um, where we're pulling in data from our dialer system. So the actual calling, the email marketing, and the social, and then we're looking across the board and saying what makes most sense, and then we're jet, and then we're creating a report and bringing that back to our clients. So that technology, so to speak, doesn't exist today. It's a combination of dialer systems and email marketing platforms and social management platforms, and then we're pulling in all of that into one pane of glass and and helping our clients see that view. Does does that make sense? Yeah. So what are the what are those what are those key pieces, what's the pieces of information that you're gathering? And I think that's an important topic, right? We talk about this throughout the series here is it's not just about technology, right? It, just mm-hmm. because someone mm-hmm. has a buzzword, um, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not necessarily saying it's a tool you have to use, right? It's uh, yeah. the intelligence is coming from these different areas that have information. So what are those things that are, uh, that are the key KPIs or, or metrics that you find um, to help drive that effective equation. I know, I know you mentioned what are in there, but sure, how do you sure, present sure. that information? Like what, what does that look like for your, for your clients? 
Yeah, for sure. And I, so I think for, for us, I mean, the most clients are bringing us on um, to either tackle reputation, meaning marketing or revenue, meaning sales. And then, so on the revenue side, on the sales side, you know, what that looks like is meetings booked from a SDR perspective, right? So what meetings um, have we booked and, and what are those core pieces to allow us to book those meetings, qualified sales meetings, right? Inside sales meetings, put, bringing them to the AE, the account executive. So when we talk about, you know, what you say, we're, we're testing two to three different call scripts or call guidelines and uh, mm -hmm. on messaging of how we should actually be talking about your brand, service, or product, whatever. We're also looking at, you know, so once we test those three, we put those three out, what are yielding the most results? Results means yeses. Results means people that are saying yes to understanding who we are, what we do, and are interested in moving forward to a meeting. Um, then we look at, you know, on the social side or on the email marketing side, again, are people engaging? Are they clicking? Are they downloading? Are they reading? And then furthermore, is that translating into them coming back to the website to book a demo or to schedule a call? So I say we're a marketing organization with, all, with our hat on and a sales hat on in the sense of everything we do is, is back to that like SDR function to generate leads. Does, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you're, you're being very, you're really focused on what you're saying at the very, very top and relating that down to the outcome. And so yes. uh, it sounds like there's, there's some other things in there too, like how you say it. So tonality and things like that are important. Ton tonality, um, and tonality, and then methodology, sorry. So how you say it in terms of, you know, what method. So we'll reach out to people on LinkedIn with that same call script that we would use over the phone, that same talk track. Uh -huh. We'll actually present that in an email and to somebody, uh -huh. and then we'll present that same talk track in a LinkedIn message. And we'll say, what yielded the most results? Was it through call? Was it through email? Or was it through LinkedIn yeah. as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's really, really interesting. Uh, again, I, uh, I, I think we are cut from a similar cloth here. So uh, <laughs> to continue down this path, because I'm going to have a lot more follow-up questions with you after this, okay. uh, but uh, to continue down the path for, for making sure we get through this, this topic today, sure. um, you know, why do you think that this is starting to be way more, you know, important and starting to catch fire, especially in tech companies? Why do you, why do you think this is so important these days? I just, I, I just think it's, it's so competitive um, with the amount of, you know, you're out of California and we have a lot of clients at Silicon Valley, the amount of money being pushed into businesses today, it's almost, it's just, a, it's just a race to the top. Like, and everybody's trying to get revenue on the books to get acquired. Um, that seems to be kind of the, the pulse of what's going on, particularly in tech. So I think people are desperate for that information to win at, faster. So that's why I think it's catching on fire. I mean, people don't want to reach hundred million in revenue over, you know, 20 years. They, like nobody has the time. Everything's just moving faster. And so that's where I really think it comes from. I think people want to hurry up and, and, and get acquired. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's so so at least the the the, the cultural component of that feels sure. that way, right? Like we we, sure. we bring these things in. So so uh, you talked about what this means for you, and obviously you're you're doing this across a lot of different companies. So you've provided yep. some examples already around what this looks like for you. I'm curious, what do you find that is working uh, working well in in your delivery of this, and, and why why do you think that is? 
Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the reason why I think we're, we're being, you know, we've been able to add value to a lot of the clients that we're working with is because we're looking at it from a holistic view. And I know a lot of people use the word holistic and it's one of those buzzwords, but I think truly we, we are in the sense of we're not just um, doing social media marketing. We're not just doing email marketing with a landing page back to your website. We're not just doing cold calling. Um, we're because, and some, one of my clients actually said it, they're like, you know, I don't think you can talk about go to market strategy today without talking about social, like, and it's true. Like you, you just can't. So I think you have to look at all of the, the, the avenues in which you can get leads from and then capitalize on all of those equally as you're monitoring along the way. If you see that LinkedIn's useless for you, then don't bother spend any time and energy there. But I think do the homework first. I think that's why it's working because we're leaving no stone unturned um, for our clients. Like I, I think that's kind of why it's why it's working. That makes total sense, right? I, I again going back to my equation, the, the target message channel timing. So who are you targeting yep. your audience? What are you yep. saying? Uh, channels, where are you saying? And and it's it's their preferred channel, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then timing's mm-hmm. a huge part. So their preferred channel, yep. which means that we're all different. Some people like phones, some people like email, some people like social, some people only like events, some people only will talk to you if you're referred to them. I mean, that's the reality of how people are. And we have to remember it's a people game. Uh, And so if you're not, if you're not trying to, you know, run your message across all channels, then you may be missing out on a part of your total addressable market. Uh, totally. so that's, that makes total sense. And, uh, and then when, when you're looking at clients, maybe some installments that you've worked with mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. what, what, what's not working or what have you seen that hasn't worked and, and why might why, why that be the case? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we, we run into this a lot. A lot of our clients, the, the folks that have only grown organically. So they've come to us once they've grown organically, they've reached their ceiling, their network's tapped they don't necessarily know how to make that pivot as aggressively as maybe a company who has grown through pure cold outreach, right? Not mm-hmm. through their massive network of the companies they used to work for before and their buddies and, you know, et cetera. I think when you, when you don't take the holistic view, um, we have a lot of comp- you know, companies that come to us and like, you know, we just want to push out LinkedIn ads and they only go one way and they go that one way hard and spend a ton of money and then get pissed off when it doesn't work. The reality is, I I think, um, again, because it's so competitive, you have to be agile and you can't just do one thing. And then furthermore, I think where we've seen people not be successful, and you just talked about it, the reality is this is a people game, like people buy from people. Um, my, My First, I started my career at a company called the Herchevac Group. So I know they have an office in California as well. They're a Toronto tech organization, cyber organization. And I worked for a gentleman named Robert Herchevac, who's on Shark's Tank. Now, before Shark's oh, Tank and Dragon's yeah. Den. I don't know if you there know that. There we go. No. <laughs> so, okay. So there you go. So I, I started my career with uh, working at the Herchevac Group. Now, this was the, the company was 20 people and I got to work with Robert directly. Um, the reality is, I don't think everybody pre- understands how important your products and your services are great, but your people are even, they're the only thing that your competitor doesn't have. And so I learned that early on working with him, like how important personal brand is. And this was before he was on Shark Tank and Dragon's End. Personal branding is so critical to any business in this world today. 
Um, if you don't put yourself out there, so I'm constantly trying to get CEOs and executives, like, let's get out there, put yourself out there, even if it's in an article, like don't necessarily do a video because not everybody's a video guy, but maybe do an article or something, put yourself out there. People who are hesitant to do that and don't buy into the personal slash company brand won't exist. Like, I just truly believe that. So when people are hesitant, that's where I see people fail to answer that question. I know that was a lot, but. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's I really, it's really interesting. I mean, this, this, um, this conversation, I, I wish we had more time because you've got so many uh, amazing points that you're bringing up that we could dive deeper into. I, I am interested sure. though, in that sense, right? So it's not working when you're not willing to try. This is kind of what yeah. I hear, right? You're not yeah. willing to experiment. You're not willing to kind of push yourself out of the comfort zone. Um, and then you mentioned something that I think was, was really interesting when it's, when they're forcing, maybe you have a client that's forcing one particular channel and then they get frustrated. Yeah. How much time, how much time has your typical customer put into a specific strategy before that frustration meter goes high? I'm just curious yeah. to hear what you see. Yeah. So I think for us, I mean, on average, if you're putting in, you know, like a, a running a campaign over like 60, call it, you know, eight weeks, right? Like a two month campaign. After, after that point, if you're not seeing any results, tempers, you know, tend to go high um, at that point. Um, mm -hmm. our, our, our campaigns that we run for clients, like, again, we do retainer, we're doing like ongoing stuff, or we'll run one-off campaigns for you. Um, but after, you know, a 60-day, um, you know, effort into one particular thing and it's still not working, it's probably time to make, I would say it's time to make a shift a bit earlier than that for me personally. But I think mm -hmm. when I see clients put time and energy into something, I, I typically see after like 60 days, if there's no return, then people are, are getting frustrated because it's all about speed. So, right. Which is, yeah. which is really, really interesting to me because... Um, a lot of the times there's not enough data yet. You just mentioned, yep. you know, you may want to, you may want to shift earlier, but what, what is it that, so, so for me, it's the, it's the opposite. It's like, sometimes there's not enough time. Now, if mm -hmm. you know that they're only focused on one strategy, that's yep. one thing where it's like, Hey, we can try to open up some other channels. But um, a lot of times it's not enough time. I, they're, they're not doing it because they're making decisions without enough information yet. And they're, they're going from their, their gut and not using data, but yep. what, what, where in your mind is there uh, enough information before someone should be making a decision on what's not working? In this case, yeah. you said, you know, it doesn't feel like it's working or it's not working. What's that? What's that edge? What does um, that look like for you? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, again, yeah, for us, like? for me, it's because we're so um, sales um, focused in our efforts. Like I would consider, like I would consider myself a salesperson that, um, likes to that also likes to do marketing and our company has marketers but I consider myself a salesperson and clients that are bringing us on board are are looking for the the end result relating to sales which typically has dollars assigned to that so for yep. me when something isn't working it's when we're we're putting in energy and effort into this you know script as an example into this content and after 60 days we haven't translated into a demo or somebody saying yes, that to me says red flag not working. Um, if we're getting feedback to say, oh, this is interesting, or we've had people like, like to me, people liking and commenting on something um, isn't enough for me and clients don't bring me in for that. I think there's a lot of companies that you can get that would be happy with that KPI, 
But for me, that's not what we're looking to do. We're looking to translate it into dollars for you. So that's it. your question to me is that that's, if we're not getting yeses in some capacity, yes to a demo, yes to a meeting, yes to a, like a yes to something, then it's just not working. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's interesting because uh, your yes and dollars start with a demo in 60 days, not cash yes. in the door in 60 days. Yes. So that, that, that's, that's the interesting part because, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of customers in the past, uh, even mm -hmm. been a part of a lot of organizations where you can talk to them ahead of time. Maybe they even hired you as a, as a rep or, you know, yep. you know, going back and, you know, no matter what, everyone always says their sales cycle is like 90 days. Right? Mm -hmm. It's always a thing, right? Yeah, and they always, <laughs> inf they always inflate their, their average deal size to like their biggest customer's deal size. And so then that's how you're kind of anticipating it's going to look, but then yeah. you get in the trenches and as growth happens, you, you begin to learn things and it's never that. Right. And so mm -hmm. I see so many organizations that say it's not working because we haven't made a sale uh, in 60 days, as your example, when they just said that their, their, um, you know, sales cycle is 90 days, right. which is like, it, it like never makes any sense. And by the way, it's not 90 days. It's, you know, they're, they're not defining that correctly and they don't really know. So that's really exactly. interesting. And I like the fact that you're saying, go ahead and get out there do your thing, test. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're not getting any real bites in the form of uh, interested meetings, interested yes. demos, yes. like real, real interested, um, yep. where there was a, an, an effective evaluation, yep. um, then you probably should think about uh, testing a new channel, new message. Um, agreed. Yeah, it's not agreed. And it's not necessarily about the dollar. The dollar is critical. And that's the end goal. But yes is in the sense of yes, you know, demos, meetings, some types of interest. If you're getting none of that, well, then I think it's time to shift. Perfect. Well, let's speed things along a little bit as we're coming sure. up on our time here. Uh, what tools, what tools, if any, do you think are necessary to start to adopt the, well, the coaching culture, revenue intelligence stuff that we're talking about right now? Mm -hmm. um, what, what, do you, what do you see as most critical? Sounds like you have some things that you've used in the past, but um, are those necessary um, or can you do this without any technology? I'm just curious to hear your take on this. Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously we, I mean, we all use CRMs today. I mean, I, I think those will continue to be relevant, but not provide you all the insight that you need. So I think, you know, everybody needs to utilize a CRM number one, um, even though sales reps hate them. Um, but they're important, um, for, for management. I think I, if you don't have a dialer system, we use, it's actually a company out of, uh, out of uh, Toronto or out of Ottawa, other Canadian company called VanillaSoft. We use them as our dialer system. If you don't have a dialer system, you absolutely, it, it amazes me actually, a lot of clients, like, you know, they just have their sales reps calling off of like their cell phones or over a VoIP phone and they don't actually analyze any of that data. Like how many calls does it take to, and, and I'm sure you're probably banging your head up against the wall saying like, what? People still do that, but you'd be shocked. Um, not analyzing, you know, how many calls does it take to convert? And then after how many conversations does it convert to a yes? And how, like all of that data is critical. And so a dialer system will help you with that. So I think that's important. Um, an email marketing software, I think that's super critical. So you can actually test your messages and see your open rates and your click-through rates and see what content's actually being driven back to your website. And we do, again, a ton of testing. We even test our subject lines. We test, um, you know, the attachment that we send. Do you send a link? Or do you send an attachment? And we do a lot in cyber. So if we're reaching out to cyber companies, we don't, uh, you know, attach links because no cyber executive clicks links. So you have to right. monitor that stuff, right? Um, and then also, I think it's critical to, for social, like to have some type of. I mean, we use Hootsuite. I know there's Sprout Social and a ton of, you know, other companies out there. 
But I think don't just rely on the analytics from LinkedIn themselves, uh, LinkedIn itself or Twitter itself. Like if you have a management tool that allows you to you know, pull back the data so you can see across all platforms what's actually happening, um, it just makes life a lot easier. Like these aren't super sophisticated tools, but they just make life easier, right? So I think if you don't have that, you should be using that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I work for, I work for a company called Connect and Sell now. And so yes. we, we power up 50 million plus dials a year and 2 million conversations. And so I am beating my head against the wall when, when you have those conversations, <laughs> you're like, Hey, like, if you don't have this data, like, what are you doing? It's, it's yes. interesting. So I, I love that. I appreciate the feedback. And so the last question, as we wrap things up here, Dakota, and I really appreciate your, um, your take on this. I could have talked on any of these for a lot longer <laughs> we'll have to maybe have you back in the future for another uh, topic uh, that, that'll come sure. out of this so uh, outside of the of coaching and developing your team so the mm -hmm. people side that we've talked about earlier today mm -hmm. what do you see as one of the bigger challenges next for sales and sales development over the next couple of years and and especially now that we're in the COVID I started this before the whole pandemic but um, that question um, is just really like how you see in the future what's the biggest challenge outside of our people yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. I think, you know, the biggest challenge that I kind of foresee for, for salespeople in particular, um, and as I'm building my team, you know, bringing in people that don't necessarily have as much experience, because um, I, I talk about this a lot, um, and, and I, call it, I call it happy ears. <laughs> my, my biggest challenge for sales folks, um, and, and I say that happy ears is killing more businesses a year than anything else, is, is salespeople who just aren't realistic with themselves um, in the reality of what's actually going on in their deals. Like, I think it's critical for, for salespeople to buy into the fact that not every customer, um, you know, is your friend. Um, and there is a transaction that actually needs to, you know, occur. I think sometimes people get into sales to be super social and there's that entertainment piece of sales and that interaction piece of sales, which is fun. And I get it. Um, but I think there's a lot of entertainment stuff going on that not necessarily translating into real dollars. And so with this generation coming in, um, I think it's like uh, critical for people to appreciate that like qualification is real. Um, don't have happy ears on every opportunity. Um, and as a salesperson, you have a choice. You know, you don't need to work things that aren't going to go anywhere. You, you can choose how to spend your time. I think that's the biggest challenge is people spending their time doing busy work, especially with a lot of these social platforms coming in and not actually doing work that, you know, they're, they're on LinkedIn and they've made 300 connections today and they feel great, but that hasn't translated into anything real. So I think that's some of the challenges that I, that I see. Um, and then obviously the sales leaders and CEOs not necessarily understanding these social platforms. So then buy into that update because they don't necessarily understand what actually goes on. Um, so I think it's important that they become educated, you know, about what's going on. If that's my biggest challenge, I would say. That, that, the, happy, the happy year component is, is something I think we all struggle with from time to yep. time anyway, especially yep. when we get so enthusiastic about the product or service we represent. Mm -hmm. um, we mistake excitement and enthusiasm and, like you said, friendly conversation for, you know, business conversation. Uh, so that's a really good that's a really good um, tip or, or, or insight to look out sure. for. So I love that. Um, and the social side, right? I mean, I think more and more folks are realizing that. So appreciate, uh, I appreciate your time today, Dakota. If folks want to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, they can, uh, I mean, our website is www.equationsales.com. So they can always check that out. Uh, and my email is just Dakota at Equation Sales. Uh, and then I'm also on LinkedIn. So they can, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Dakota Ray. And uh, yeah, Ryan, really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, all the best with the new podcast. Thank you. Thanks again for being a guest. Uh, good luck out there. Cheers.